But um, yeah, I was really into, into comic books when I was younger. And I wanted to just make comic books because I wanted to tell stories. And I, um, just learning that you can tell stories through design the same way you can tell stories through music. Welcome to Designer Spotlight. I'm Tove Clark here, director on the brand creative team at Verizon Media Group. And today we're spotlighting O'Neill Edwards, a designer based out of our New York office. He called us from Park Slope and we learned about O'Neill's design journey, what drew him to design in the first place, where he finds inspiration these days. I hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Thank you, you know, for for making time. Where do you call home? You mentioned it's, it's afternoon for you. It's afternoon. This is like a, a small side bedroom. It's kind of dark in here. There's only like one tiny um, window in the side here, and it looks out to an alley, so it gets dark in here. But um, yeah, I'm in Park Slope, Brooklyn, with my wife and my dog. I love Park Slope. I used to go to Prospect Park all the time. And were you born in Park Slope? Where'd you grow up? Well, I was born in Jamaica and grew up in New Jersey. Um, yeah, and then came to uh, New York to go to school. So you were born in Jamaica. What, what, how old were you when you moved to New Jersey? Eight. So still Eight years old? Yeah. Wow. That, I can't imagine. What was that like for you? <laughs> it was, I mean, the craziest thing was... I came over, my brother and I came over, my mom was already here, my brother and I came over and then my dad followed. But when we came, it was February and, he, and there was like this huge snowstorm that had just like passed a week before. I had never seen snow before. Uh, and we landed in Newark. And um, so this was, this is a week past the snowstorm. So like, we were like, so we're in the car and like every, it's like piles of black snow because it's like the highways and it's just like the rubber. It's just like, I was like, this is disgusting. <laughs> I was like, this I is what, what the snow is supposed to look like. <laughs> I know. You think of it as being fluffy white beauty, and then you yeah. see the snow plow and just the blackness of it. It gets yeah. very dirty very quickly. Yeah, it was weird <laughs> and cold. What were the early days of growing up in New Jersey like? Early days, so we first moved to Plainfield, which is like a small town, and this was this was like in the mid '80s, I think. So Plainfield was a little rough there. I remember we were um, we were in elementary school, and then the middle school was like you could see it from the elementary school, and the police would be there every day. This was middle school. <laughs> Um, so we were there for a year, and then my uncle and my mom, um, my, our family got together, pooled their money, and bought a house in the town one town over. It's um, called Piscataway, which was like had one of the best school systems in the country. <laughs> Just weird, like right next door. Um, so it was like night and day, and very very strange. So, um, and then uh, it was good. <laughs> Piscataway was. Piscataway at the time, you would on the way to school, you would see horses and you know like just open fields and empty like like untouched greenland. 
Um, by the time we, by the time I, I moved out to New York, it was like all of that has tur turned into like construction. Like they tore all of that down. Um, so that that was interesting to watch the process from like fifth grade to high school, like the just completely changed, and every like strip malls everywhere. So it was a, it was a very American experience, I guess you can say. <laughs> uh, I can empathize with just the effect that that has on you every day, you know. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know what part of Jamaica you grew up in. Um, my grandfather grew up primarily in Kingston. My grandmother is from Linstead, and, and Kingston was rough too. So what was, what was the experience like in Jamaica? Well, we were in Portland, which is like, um, I, I can never remember which side of the Blue Mountain it is, but it's, it's more in the mountains. So it's very, like, we're a Yardie family. We're Yardie. Yeah. So we didn't really see that part of Jamaica. Um, we were never in the cities. Um, I mean, my, I had an uncle there that we went to visit, but we weren't there very often. And the countryside was fairly idyllic at the time. Um, it's just, there's a river. We just went out and played all day and came home and ate dinner and that's about it. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds like a good experience of living in the islands. So you came out to New Jersey, um, went to a massive culture shock, arrived in the middle of a snowstorm in <laughs> February. Where along your journey did you the design pop up on your radar? Did you were you already thinking about design when you were living um, in Portland and Jamaica, or where, where at what point does O'Neill become introduced to design? Um, in high school, but. Cause we had like a print shop. This again, this the school was ridiculous. They had tennis that it just an absurd amount of uh, things. Like there was a golf team. Anyway, <laughs> there was a print shop there, and they had like an old like maybe second generation Mac that took you know twenty minutes to move one thing from like move a move something like five inches, and then you have to like go do something else and wait until wait for it to move over. So that was my first experience with a computer. Um, but I didn't really get into design until um, maybe a third year in college at SVA. I was interested in illustration. Um, I, that's, I went to SVA initially to study illustration and then my teachers told me in, I should probably switch to fine art. And I didn't listen to them the first year and then halfway through the second year of, uh, my illustration studies when I realized that I have to spend all of my time selling myself to people. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I was, I'm an introvert. So going out and promoting myself was not going to work out for me. So then I did, I did switch to fine art and uh, needed, needed to uh, work. Clearly I was working before, but I wanted to find some work that was a bit more flexible. So I found inter internships that paid and one of the, the first ones that I saw like this could be a real opportunity is like I was interning at um, this small design agency downtown. It was, it was only eight people. And what was interesting about it was the one, they paid me more money than I ever got paid at any full-time job um, when I was only working two days. And two, it was the collaborative nature of how they worked. Like they even like deciding who they were going to pitch to was like a discussion where everyone, I, I was sitting at the table. I mean, I didn't have anything to say, but <laughs> everyone sat together and decided what, who they were going to pitch to, what jobs they were going to take, how, what angle they were going to take with their pitches. Um, and like going from illustration, fine art, which are very like personal um, 
secluded work streams to this like collaborative nature was really I found that very interesting and that's kind of what first piqued my interest. So two questions kind of follow up. Uh, A, do you still draw and is drawing part of your process? And then B, how do you think about asserting the value on your on, on your role, your ideas, you know, and, and selling yourself? How do you feel about those? Um, those are really good questions. I I paint by like, right behind me. Oh, so wow. I, I still definitely do artwork. Um Drawing is a part of my process, but you know you wouldn't want to see my sketchbooks as far as like my work related sketchbooks because they wouldn't make any sense to anyone. It's like what what is that supposed to be? I know what there's just like very very quick idea sketching, and then I go I go right to the to the computer. But it's just to get like an initial thought out there. I don't do the painstaking like um, this the like the icon has to be the the specific size in comparison to the screen size. Like it's just like really really quick and loose. Um, as far as like yeah, I'm still not very good at self promotion. It's I find somehow find it unbecoming. If that makes sense. One, I don't think it should be necessary. I think the value of your work should be apparent to people who are managing you. And I know that's not generally not the case because they're busy doing other things. Um, something I've learned uh, here in previous places that I've worked with people that I've loved working for, like even someone I consider a mentor, is that as a manager, if they have 15, 20 people to you know, to guide and whose careers they're responsible for. Um, if there's someone who doesn't cause them a problem, me, when I'm given, a, in my roles, I take, I take care of everything. If I, you give me something to do, you don't need to worry about this. I got this area. And oftentimes what I've seen is that they're like, good, do that, stay there. You're not, you're, I'm going to have to worry about all these people. I want you to do that and take care of it. And I feel like somehow that done myself a disservice because I'm not like, I'm not like a bug in the air. I'm not like coming to them with issues and problems and requests and requirements. They're just like, I don't have to worry about you. And I think in some ways that's, it's not been to my best interest. So no, I'm, I'm still not very good at, at, at that part. As far as like for the, the, my work, I'm really good at like advocating for what I think is important for the users because I feel very, very strongly about that because that's my job, you know? So I'm not, that I take very, very seriously. But as far as like self-promotion, I'm still, still terrible at it. You mentioned the experience of interning in a small eight-person design agency and how involved and collaborative it was and how that contrasted your, your experience with art and expression, which up until that point was primarily solo efforts. Yeah. What about, how did collaborating feel to you? What about it was appealing? Um, it's just, everyone feels validated. Everyone feels like they were, their, their thoughts matter. Um, that really just being validated, right? Um, and that it's, this is not just a job, it's you are like, you kind of have skin in the game from the start. Um, and I think you can see the difference when someone is just like, this is my job and I'm going to do it. If someone tells me what to do, I'll do it. And as opposed to someone who feels fully involved and included where the the outcome matter. And I, I really thinking about that now, I think that 
having that experience very, very early on in my career was really kind of set the, the path for my career. Because now I work very, very closely with engineering and product. Like I, I cannot work in a place where ideas are top down. It just was. It just won't work for me. Like I need to think. I need to think about strategy. I need to be aware of what the business KPIs are and what the what the user needs are. Um, I I will not. I can't work in a place where a product person comes to me with a piece of paper and say, "Do this." Like I'm not a robot. <laughs> so may, maybe that was something natural for me. I don't know. But that was a very early experience in my career, and it definitely set me up to make sure that I always work that way and make sure I bring engineering in. They have ideas too. They use they use products. <laughs> they they know what can, what's good, what's right, what makes sense, what I mean they have ideas. They're not robots either, right? Um, the product person can't think of everything. Everyone has has ideas. So it's always um, it's always been really important to me that everyone gets to express what they think is is the best thing to do, you know? I love that idea of, you know, flattening the hierarchy, you know, making the idea the champion, not who it came from. And at the end of the day, realizing that, you know, we're all, we're all in this together. You know, that, that feels like very much in line with personal ethos and what I would hope that we, we embrace overall as a, a community beyond design enterprise and media group. Tell me this. How do you how do you see opportunity at Verizon Media Group? You mentioned the ability to work with engineers and collaboration, and obviously mm-hmm. audience and reach is a big component. But how do you think about opportunity at Verizon Media Group, both in terms of creativity and the business? That's a, that's a huge question. Um, I mean, <laughs> nuts, I guess it is. I mean, I've I've pretty much been on the finance team for the two and a half years I've been here. I Personally, I love being on the finance team, but I have worked with some really great people that are, that are working on horizontal features. And I think that has opened up more opportunities for people to showcase their talents, to like work with people they haven't worked, before, worked with before. And so I think that that in and of itself is great for opportunities for people, for individual growth. I, I, I have grown here myself. I and you know I have been promoted since I've been here, so like there, I, there are definitely opportunities for growth here. And I would also go back to what I was saying about how we worked, as far as everyone has skin in the game, and like I, I can open up mine and see where our users are and what they're using. We have the the user nights, UXR, and really talk to users and find out what their needs are and think you get to use your brain here. I think that's important. And again, like I said, I haven't worked with all the teams. I can only speak from my own experience, and it's been really fulfilling because I get to to do strategy and do more than just design. In terms of designers that you grew up aware of or are maybe more conscious of now, who's inspired you along the way and why? Well, so I have to tell you, I don't really pay a lot of attention to design like I one it could be because I didn't go to design school I didn't study design where there's like introduce you to all these designers I mean I've, I've been in discussions with other designers and I'm like I don't know <laughs> so I don't really follow other designers per se not even on Twitter I really don't <laughs> I know I have more friends that are product managers and engineers than I have that are designers I engage with them a lot more. Not sure why. Can't say why that is, but 
There it is. But as far as designers that, I mean, this is a dumb answer, but you have to, Joni Ives is the god right now, so you can't, you can't leave him out. A weird answer would be MIA, the, the um, musician, when I became aware that she did, she did her own album covers, and I think she did her own fashion for a while. That's all design to me, and I think she is, um, I mean, I'm not sure what she's doing right now, but like when she first came out, that was like the, the creative energy, the youthful energy, the way her album covers spoke to who she was as a person. I thought she was incredible. So I, I was really moved by that. The other person it would be Reed Miles. He did a lot of the album covers, like the bebop, the jazz bebop era album covers. And they just really kind of, again, they captured the sense of what bebop is like, really like somewhat frenetic, sometimes cool, uh, sometimes cool and frenetic at the same time. So he's, he's I, I just love his album covers. I can't say I'm, I'm yeah, but as far as like following other designers or anything like that, I, I don't. I always think of it as kind of odd, but I really don't. No, 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 no. And, you know, inspiration, like you acknowledge, comes from so many different places. I love that you reference music in many ways, but then also musicians who cross over. It is, you know, and a follow-up question about music specifically, but has it ever occurred to you, like, do you know any designers, you know, professionals, peers who are also into making music? Because the little that I understand about arrangement and layers, it feels like it's there's parallels and there's something visual rhythm and auditory rhythm and uh, spontaneity and improvisation. You mentioned jazz and bebop. How do you feel like those two things kind of play off of one another? Oh, totally. I mean, like when I'm doing artwork, I'm always listening to music. I constantly have it on when I'm, I think most designers listen, listen to music when they're designing. So syncopation, I think you're, you're completely right about that, that there is like a connection um, with the arrangement to give a, to give the, give a feeling, right. Or to tell a story. So. Well, speaking of listening to music, what song is just getting a lot of play on your playlist right now? Can I give more than one answer? The, the mic is yours, bro. So I'm still I'm still going deep in, into MF Doom because it's sad that there's no more new music coming from him. And he's been like a, a fan. I've been a huge fan of his. It, like, again, that's art to me. Like his entire career is art. Anyway, I can talk about MF Doom for days, but we'll move on. <laughs> a new song that I'm listening to is a song called Science Fear by this very new post-rock band called Black Country. It jumps all over the place. It's like rock, it's jazz, it's pretty wild. Right? They're screaming. <laughs> That's amazing. No, I'm very saddened by the loss of MF Doom. So yeah. inspiring, like from the collaborations with cartoons. Like I, I know oh, yes. I used to like him all the time with Aquatine. <laughs> Hunger Force, but then just all the songs. I loved how he would just use made up words and was really like a, j a jazz musician in some ways and how he just played with sound, you know? And then you mentioned the whole art of every touch point, the theater, the mask. Isn't yeah, time life was, was art? Yeah, no, it's a massive loss. It was shocking to be quite honest with you. And I've never heard, is the, is the artist Black Country or the artist Science Fair? The the art the artists the group name is Black Country. Okay. Next question. I, I know y'all just got hit with a pretty gnarly uh, snowstorm last week or so. 
But what's the last piece of creativity you saw out in the world that you didn't yourself make? All right, I have again. I have two. I'm just I cannot. You have as many as you want, man. Them all. Two. uh, Two will be enough. (laughs) So I actually completely forgot about Time Magazine because I think a lot of people do. So Time.com, their website redesign is really good. And I was led there by, um, they did this large feature called the Renaissance is Black. And it's very, very cool. I think everyone should check it out. It's incredibly well designed and their, their website looks great. It's really smart, really well designed. So both the article and the site redesign itself. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge feature. It's a collection of um, articles. Sweet. I'm going to check that out. That was one. The second one is I was walking by and um, my wife was uh, watching. Uh, she was watching um, Oprah having a, a discussion with Emmanuel Akko, who did uncomfortable discussions with a black man. And the stage design for that is incredible. I was like kind of stopped and just stared at it for a while. It is so beautiful. So it's just like they're both in two different rooms and there's like white rooms and he's on a chair or she's on a chair. It's like a mirrored room situation. So let's say he's on a chair and then Oprah is on this screen that looks like a mirror, like a standing mirror. And then the other guests look like portraits on the walls. And then in Oprah's room, it's the same thing, except he's on a mirror, she's in a chair, and then the guests are also in portraits on the walls. And then the, the mirror and the portraits are black framed, but everything else is white. Yeah, this virtual sets world is really interesting. We've been doing some work with Riot and, and the sports team, and they're really leaning into a lot of virtual sets. And it's exciting to see what's possible there. Speaking of exciting, what excites you most about working as a designer? Um, still the idea of telling stories, like again, going back to my original idea for going to school was to, to draw comics. I guess I said illustration. I jumped into the illustration department, but, um, yeah, I was really into, into comic books when I was younger and I wanted to just make comic books because I wanted to tell stories and I just learning that you can tell stories through design the same way you can tell stories through music. Amen. Yeah, or through brands. Brands contribute to stories. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It might seem like a weird last question, but <laughs> I'm going to ask it anyway. 2020 was obviously, you know, not what a lot of us had ever imagined in so many, many, many different ways. Even 2021 has gotten off to an odd start in some regards. But um, what are you most looking forward to personally, professionally in 2021? Definitely going out to dinner with my wife again without a mask, like sitting inside, going to a bar <laughs> with people, but not too many people. I kind of like, I kind of like this, the bit of separation that we've got right now. Well, this is an extreme, but yeah, just, just going out to a bar with my wife, because <laughs> why we're, we're both looking forward to. You and me both. Well, hopefully I'll be able to join you one of these days out in New York, maybe in Park Slope, maybe at Prospect Park for a beer or something like that. There's lots of great places in the area. O'Neill, thanks so much for making time. Really appreciate getting a little window into your world and your history and your experience. So thanks for, for carving out time for us. Yeah, I totally appreciate it, man. Thank you for reaching out. Well, that's been our designer spotlight with O'Neill Edwards. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I. 
enjoyed recording it and speaking with O'Neill. It's great to get another Jamaican in the house and hear about his experiences and things. So, as well as his music references, I'm gonna have to check some of those out as well. Be on the lookout for more designer spotlights from Verizon Media Group. And until that time, I've been your host, Tove Clark. Live long and prosper. Bye, 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 bye